Hello, and thank you for listening to the Teaching Math Teaching Podcast. The Teaching Math Teaching Podcast is sponsored by the Association of MathMax Teacher Educators, a community of math teacher educators learning to teach math teachers better. I'm your co-host, Joel Aminon, and joining me are co-hosts, Jen Wolf and Dusty Jones. And today we are talking with Dr. Katie Rupi, who is Assistant Professor of MathMax Education at Western Washington University, and Dr. Dawn Woods, who is Assistant Professor of Elementary MathMax Education at Oakland University. We are talking to Katie and Dawn because they were awarded the first ever MathMax Education Trust Early Career Research Grant which is co-sponsored by Eugene P. and Clara M. Smith Mathematics Education Research Fund, the National Council of Teachers of Mathematics, and AMTE. Welcome, Katie. How are you? I'm doing well. Thank you so much. Good morning. Morning. Welcome, Dawn. How are you doing? I'm doing great. How about you? Uh, Doing well. Doing well. All right. And uh, we have Dusty and Jen. How are y'all doing? Rocking and rolling. Doing well. Thanks for asking. Rocking and rolling. All right. That's great. Uh, We're going to just dive into a little bit more introduction. So, Katie, can you take a minute to introduce yourself beyond what I've already shared? What what do we miss? Sure. So, hello. It's great to be here. I'm super excited. Um, So... I am at Western Washington University, and I work primarily with undergraduate um, pre-service teachers. And in that role, it's really exciting. They're mostly elementary um, and special ed, getting their certifications. And before that, I taught for 10 years in Chicago Public Schools at a K-8 building, teaching middle school math. So those are kind of my important things. Nice. How about you, Dawn? What did we miss? So I am here in Michigan, and I work primarily with pre-service teachers working um, on exploring all of the different methods that we can use to support um, mathematics instruction in more humanizing ways. So that that's that takes up a lot of my time. Um, aside from that, you know, working with first-year teachers, working with teachers in our partner schools, just to to really think about how we can support all of our learners to to really become doers of mathematics. Awesome. Awesome. Uh, so again, we like to share like the expertise and experience of our MTEs and, and we're, we're excited that you know, you're all going to share a little bit about uh, your uh, your early career research grant uh, a little bit later. We'll talk more about that. But let's start it. Where did, where did this start from? So uh, how did you get your start teaching math teachers? Katie, you want to you kick that off? Sure. So um, when I started teaching in Chicago public schools, one of the amazing things about being in a really large district is there's so many opportunities to find your people and the things you're interested in and, um, you know, get in some professional development circles. And so I had the opportunity pretty early on to be a representative for my school at different things where I got to bring back learning. And so informally, I had this opportunity to kind of have this role of bringing expertise, but also learning alongside people. And I think that really impacted the way I think about um, being in a professor position and working with um, pre-service teachers. So um, after I had a few student teachers and really loved that experience, I just kind of had this light bulb moment that maybe a next step for me would be working with people before they get to the classroom, especially um, 
those crucial moments to kind of reshape and rethink what it means to be a math teacher and a math learner. Um, so it's been really exciting and I've loved that. Um, yeah, moving kind of from the instructional coach role to getting an opportunity to work with people earlier in their career. Yeah. It's almost like the, those little informal sharings to the being a clinical instructor, like just this, mm-hmm. this level of, of teaching others, right? And teaching, teaching, right? Mm-hmm. How about you, Dawn? Any similar path or a little bit different? It was very similar. So I did most of my teaching in pre-K through sixth grade classrooms in Texas. And I think one of the experiences that really stood out is when I was in a professional learning community with all of our fifth grade math teachers. It was a five five, six campus. So there were a lot of us and we were encouraged to visit each other in the building to really observe instruction and have conversations really about the teaching and learning of math. And as I was able to collaborate and have these conversations with other teachers, we were really thinking about how can we engage our students? How can we support them in sense making? And I think that's when I realized that I really had a passion for working with others to to design instruction that really supported students' identities, um, identity development, and help safeguard their relationships with mathematics. So it was going from that PLC thinking it's like, oh, this, I really like this. And then just, you know, kept layering on and ending up in a PhD program and now working with, with undergraduate teachers and some um, teachers in classrooms too. So nice. similar and different. <laughs> yeah. 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 No, I, I mean, that's, you know, the thinking about the PLC opportunity as well, right? Like, you know, those, those spaces that are created, you know, and, and sometimes I get, sometimes with teachers, you get the PLC word it is like thrown around because it's like this, you know, thing that you need like a requirement versus like the, this, like this dynamic learning space. Right. And I love the way you talked about that space as like an opportunity for you to develop as a, a math teacher educator. That's awesome. Um, so in those, in those opportunities, you, you get some advice, right? So when you, you start thinking about uh, what is the best advice you received when you started teaching math teachers, either in these like smaller informal spaces, or maybe even more towards when you, and you stepped into your, uh, your roles at your various institutions, who wants to take that one to go? I'll let you have that one, Don. You can start us off. <laughs> All right. I think some of the best advice that I came, that I got came from my advisor and she was, um, really adamant that we're not really taking our, our advice to the teachers that we need to sit and be with the teachers and be alongside them. Mm -hmm. So how do we really support them if we don't know anything about them? I think it's the big question. So it's really being in community with them and getting to know them and getting to know the students and then letting the, the support, um, the conversations, however we want to look at that, really kind of be organic. Yeah. And then think about how can we go through these in cycles of like investigation. So how can, what do we need to know about the practice? How can we rehearse it? How can we enact it? How do we re- reflect on it and refine it? So just always trying to go through, um, it's like continuous improvement, but, you know, it's more organic than mm-hmm. that. Yeah, I totally agree with you. I have a lot of the same thoughts about kind of the advice and the way to be in community with people. And when I first started working with teachers in a more of a leadership role, um, 
I really got a lot of advice that like actual support and evolution of practice takes time, no matter whether you get to see someone once a week, once a month, once a quarter, whatever it is, um, you actually need to get to know teachers and students. And also that um, when you're working with adults, embody your philosophy of teaching that you have working with children or working with undergrads or whoever it's, it's this, it's obviously nuanced, but it's the same, right? Like how are you seeing them as their best selves and their, you know, nuanced and important thinking. And, um, as I think about working with undergrads, I'm always like pushing against the feeling of urgency and like rushing and needing to get to everything. Like there's no such thing as that. So just let it go. So, you know, making time for connections and um, really letting the space together be meaningful. I really like uh, what both of you said, uh, Dawn, getting to getting to know the teachers, being alongside of them, getting to know their students. Um, and Katie, with uh, embodying the philosophy that you would use, uh, I'm thinking back to conversations, Joel and uh, Jen, that we've had with others that have kind of said the same thing without using those that nice word of embodying your philosophy. Um, unfortunately, I just can think of too many experiences from when I was a classroom teacher with a coach or someone who was the you know specialist in X coming in and just you know, after five minutes saying, well, Mr. Jones, here's your problem. And I'm like, you don't even know, like (laughs) there's so much that you don't know about my classroom. So I discounted that because whether that person was right or not, um, I just, I just didn't trust them with that info. So I really like uh, the positive uh, examples that you're giving from that advice there. Yeah. Don, when you said be with, I was like, I was like looking at Jen, like we probably, I mean, that sounds like something like Jen with, I don't know, Jen, I thought like that, that's something exactly that, uh, man, I hope my, I hope math teacher educators are saying like be with rather than I think like Darcy was saying like the teach at or talk at, right. I'm going to be with you and we're going to do some developing organically. But yeah, Jen, I thought about, I thought about you when, when uh, Don said be with, cause that, that kind of sounds like something you would say as well. Yeah, yeah, no, I felt that too, because I feel like we learn from and with one another. And I think in the teaching profession, right, one of the things I really like is that I like learning from other folks. That's kind of like why I'm in it. So when we think about these, when we talk about missed opportunities for students to learn, I think if we don't approach some of our teaching in the ways that you all have described, that it's actually missed opportunities for us as well to learn and continue to revise and and grow in our practice. One thing that... um, kind of stuck with me is uh, when Don said safeguarding their relationship with mathematics. And that's just that phrase is kind of just sitting with me right now because I'm like, what does that mean? How do I do that um, in community with others? What does it mean to safeguard while also trying to extend and think about exploring other ways of thinking about mathematics and who's mathematics? So I really, I really am sitting with that phrase. I appreciate that, Don. Well, and I'm going to jump back to Katie because you you kind of like led into our next question, but get leaving it open, like maybe you have something else to share too, because <laughs> you talked about that embodying your teaching philosophy with how you work with teachers, right? I always joke about, you know, seeing the lecture about not lecturing uh, to, yeah, to future right? teachers, uh, <laughs> just not as effective, right? <laughs> so, so what advice would you give to someone else starting out uh, in this role of of teaching math teachers? Yeah, I definitely would say the times that I felt most unsuccessful have been times where I'm like, oh, yeah, 
I was doing things that did not match with who I am or what I value. And for whatever reason, you know, it crept in other pressures, um, but also find ways to invite students into recognizing their expertise. And I'm thinking of students as, Mm -hmm. you know, future teachers. Um, Yes, we all have expertise and important experiences to bring as instructors, but trying to move away from acting as the expert. So, that kind of leads into how we got involved with first year teachers, but they have so many rich experiences and things that they want to emulate, but things they also want to reject and um, really centering them as like, well, what do you think? What can we draw from? Like you're going to be in your own space in a year or two and need to make these decisions. So um, I've really tried to restructure my class time to, center their thinking, not just mathematically, but pedagogically. Nice. How about you, Don? Like what advice would you have uh, for someone else starting off in this role? Role. I think a lot of it comes from knowing yourself. Mm -hmm. And so if there is something that you're very passionate in, how do you center that within the work? And for me, I really want to listen and hear the students in my classroom. So I help support the pre-service teachers I'm working with to learn to listen and learn to hear the students that they are working with. So, you know, just trying to create that that balance because that's really what, what I think learning is. We're here together and it's so awesome to be able to learn from and with each other um, as we go. So I think that's that's my big advice is just slow down and be take time to build that relationship and that, that connection. Something you said, this is tangential, but it made me think of this is like, when I think of my strengths, it's teaching and like teaching my colleague said this and it really sticks with me. Teaching's like a gas. It'll fill whatever space you give it. And so I really struggled in the beginning. I mean, I started in 2020, so that didn't help, but, um, you know, trying to see myself as a researcher and trying to think about what service was meaningful. And so, um, you know, maybe pushing yourself a little bit in the spaces that aren't as comfortable as you're starting out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So again, like you're kind of hosting it here. There we go. <laughs> so, <laughs> no, that's great. It was wonderful. So like, yeah, I mean, and this is, you know, a question that we've introduced recently and, and thinking about it, like the setting boundaries and priorities to get the right things done and still in, enjoy your life. Right. As early, you know, early career and thinking about all those, those yeah, different roles that you need to fill. Like, like I know, for us, uh, we're, we're talking about some newer hires and they're thinking about this activity report and what, like, what is outreach and what is service? Like what, you know, like, cause you know, some of them are coming from the K-12 arena where it's like, I'm serving all over the place, <laughs> you know? And so, even, but then even too, but then, you know, thinking about like, well, what's been put on value, what's, what's valued in, in the, these spaces. So, you know, even to think like as, as we're all works in progress and thinking about, well, what is working to help set boundaries and priorities to get the right things done and still enjoy life? I don't know. So like what, what, what successes are we seeing there beyond what you already shared? How about you, Dawn? You want, you want <laughs> to try that one? I'll try that, that one. And I think this is something I am really kind of working with still yeah. you know, trying to find those boundaries and trying to figure out how to to do all of the things mm-hmm. and prioritizing and so if anyone sees my calendar it, 
it kind of freaks people out because it's color coded. There, there's family things and Beautiful. you know, there's there's service research and teaching, and it's just trying to figure out how to get all of the things done. And yes, in the summer, it's like, okay, we are going to the lake this day, we are doing this. So other things don't get scheduled in that place because I think it's so easy to you lose track of of writing time and your personal time and towards those goals. So having it blocked out and then trying not to keep letting it slide is something that I've really been working on. Um, And then I've started realizing how to say no um, to things that I still think are interesting, but I just don't have space in my calendar yet. And that's, that's the thing that I've been working on really this week. Um, as I've had my calendar kind of implode. So, you know, I think that that's, that's the hard part Mm -hmm. is trying to, to find time for all of the things that are just so interesting while still giving yourself, giving your time for yourself and self care and self love. Yeah. So that you can be there for others. Yeah. It's definitely um, an ongoing (laughs) work in progress. But when I was a classroom teacher, I mean, it was at the top of mind for me. I really did a bad job with it. And so I think I just have to, I keep reminding myself, like, having an academic schedule allows me flexibility, so I need to be intentional. Um, And so I have been setting quarterly and year priorities. So, like, my first year, my priority was, like, relationships and getting to know people. And so I joined, you know clubs and things where I could get to know people on campus and people in the MTE community and then, you know, kind of shifting. And now I'm really focused on um, working with teachers and trying to get um, more connections with uh, our local schools. Starting in the pandemic, it feels like I'm behind on that. So and my colleague and I, we started a no card. So every time, like an accountability. So every time we say no to something that we are interested in, we like sign it off and we're working towards, you know, uh, getting time to do other things. So it's just, yeah, it's hard, especially as a junior faculty, because a million things come up and it, they all, many of them seem really interesting and fun and important, more important. So I'm rambling now, but <laughs> no, I want to, I want to, what's the no card? Like mm-hmm. what, what's, what's the no card? Is I, I want more details on the no card. Okay. Well, mine's sitting right here and I have five of them. So, um, Oh, every I said time no. you say no, it's like a punch, kind of like a punch yes. card. Yes. I'm working towards free coffee, 10. You get 10 no's? Yeah. We get, we get, um, we go, go out for dinner and just do something fun or go to a show or whatever. Um, so right now I'm working towards, uh, ice cream time together with my nice. colleague and her daughter. Yeah. So I said no <laughs> to a cool. financial committee. I said no to all sorts of things. I'm like, I wanted to do this, but I didn't. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh my goodness. That's great. <laughs> It works. I got to gamify it. It's the elementary school teacher in me. (laughs) No, absolutely. Uh, I love my frequent flyer, everything like frequent flyer, (laughs) punch cards, what, Mm -hmm. what programs, what are the rewards? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm wondering if I could, if I could somehow get a streak of, I said no to something today and I've said no to something every day for the last 25 days. I mean, maybe it's like Jerry Seinfeld writing a joke every day. He puts an X on the calendar. It's like you say no every day. There you go. Fantastic. I love that. Like I come home with a vinyl record from the local record store and like I was supposed to. I said no. (laughs) I said no. Yeah, it was great. (laughs) 
Well, I yeah. think also too, another thing that I like to point out and, um, uh, I've, I'm working on something right now with, with Jen as a, a partner, I've been working on this podcast with Dusty and, and Ava Thanheiser and Jen for a, a while now. And like having people to work with, I think is great. And then seeing like, it's the two of you working together on this project. I want to uh, talk about that. So you were, uh, you both were awarded the first ever MathMax Education Trust Early Career Research Grant, which is co-sponsored by Eugene P. and Clara M. Smith, MathMax Education Research Fund, the National Council of Teachers Mathematics, and AMTE. So tell us about your project uh, that you're working on, get, and, and what, what are we using this funding for, uh, well, at least partially for this grant. So tell us about the project. I'll maybe start with our origin story and then Dawn can actually oh, get down to it. the nitty gritty. So um, we, she started a year before me, but we were both kind of very early in our positions during the pandemic and taught online for a year. And our, you know, students experienced uh, little to no practicum opportunities. And then fast forward a year later when we're back in person and they're graduating. And I was just like, wow, this feels like uh a dire situation <laughs> yeah. for someone entering a classroom. Um, and so I put out on our star Facebook group, Hey, anyone interested in thinking about supporting first year teachers that have experienced COVID as their undergrad preparation? Like I want to think through this with someone and Dawn, a complete stranger to me at the time, <laughs> uh, who teaches now 15 minutes from where I grew up. So interesting. We wow. connected and um, shared a lot of the same excitement, philosophy, talked through some different possible ideas. And then I wrote a social justice grant and equity grant at my university, got a little bit of funding for a pilot program. So I'll let uh, Don jump in and talk about what it looks like and how we're moving forward with the MET grant. Right. So from the pilot program, it was just a small group of teachers that we were working with in Washington that were mostly um, from Katie's institution. And we really wanted just to figure out how to support them. Um, to develop as equity-oriented mathematics teachers. So now, because of the of the grant, we have um, a cohort both at Washington and one at Oakland University where we um, are working with them just to support them through the first year. Really, we're alongside of them. And so the goals are really to center teachers' voices and draw from their expertise and grow from the challenges that they face from the first years in their classrooms. So just really being in community with them um, and letting everything evolve organically. Yeah, so we have monthly meetings with them and we are now just in our second month of this group that the MET grant is funding. And so we started by having them come together, get to know each other and um, develop kind of what are their ideas about equity oriented teaching? What does that mean for them? Because I think a lot of frameworks um kind of have different underlying assumptions about where people are in their career, you know, like challenging systems. Maybe that's not what's at the top of mind for a first year teacher. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah. Um, and it's been really cool to see how the different groups have a lot of overlap, but definitely some unique ideas. Um, and then each month they, we set what the next thing they want to bring and talk about. So 
Um, a lot of them want to talk about how they can make their curriculum more responsive to students and reflect students. Um, this year, we have a lot of first-year teachers that have students that are coming to United States for the first time and um, entering their classroom. So they're really trying to think about how can they support them in ways that aren't superficial. And um, yeah, so it's been super, super exciting. And last year, when we finished our, our pilot group, we were just like, wow, they are so asset-based and reflective and brilliant. And um, I think we don't give new teachers enough credit for how they're moving beyond just surviving into like really deep, thoughtful things. I'm like, wow, I wish I was thinking about this my first year teaching. Yeah, it's cool. I mean, I don't know, Dusty and Jen, I'll throw it to you all. But I mean, it's like hearing what they were talking about earlier about like how their experiences teaching or advice and all that stuff. It, you kind of see it it's, it's in this project too. Like, like there's some, this, this in, integrity, right. This internal validity, I guess you get nerdy uh, with the term. <laughs> well, I like how you're taking an approach for like that, that phrase of organically developing because yes. fi like trying to figure out like where are our first year teachers and their understanding of what equity is and what does it mean to engage in equitable teaching practices what does that look like? What does it sound like? What does it feel like? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Was well, that idea of being with, right? Let's be with as we're developing these ideas. And then now let's, okay, let's advance, right? And you couldn't have come with it. And you had to do it organically because if you would have came with an agenda and all of a sudden they have this challenge that emerged this year and you're like, well, no, we're talking about this. Like, no, this is what's, this is what I need help with right now. Uh, this is, this is what's right in front of me. Yeah, that's an exciting part too. This year is our first time having a cohort at both our institutions. Mm -hmm. So I attend dawns and listen and take notes and, you know, interject and get to know yeah. them as well. But she has more of a leadership role and it's the opposite with my group. And just seeing how even within, you know, the same year, they are bringing up different things in different ways. It'll be interesting to see how the year evolves. Um, you know, even like, okay, sure. Classroom management, like it's pushed us to read more of the literature and be like, there are things missing. We are oversimplifying this and over, um, you know, centering first year teachers as those in need and support and like, um, which everyone needs support, but, um, you know, they're not talking about like, uh, how do I discipline students? They're thinking about like, okay, I've recognized this challenge. The student has like, I'm bringing in other people. We're um, trying different structures, really wanting to humanize the way they do things, curriculum management, other things like that. So it's really cool. Yeah. Right. And they, they have a lot of like, who, who can do mathematics? I mean, this comes up so often and they realize that the curriculum resources that they're often provided may not meet the needs of the students in the classrooms and their students aren't seeing themselves within those. So how do, how do they supplement? How do they think through that? I mean, these are very, you know, I think from like when I started teaching, these are very sophisticated ideas that our, our first year's teachers are really thinking about. And so they have all of this expertise and they've, they've learned so much. So it's trying to put their the theory into action yeah. in, in so many ways um, and really being critically conscious about the work that they're doing. 
Well, this sounds like really exciting work. And um, I, I, I just like the origin story. I'm glad Katie, that you, you actually framed it that way because I was, I was thinking, so how do these people know each other? Um, and just the power of collaborations and the world we live in now where you can send out, you know, uh, uh, you know, an electronic message to a group of people, some of them you don't know, and say, hey, I'm thinking about this. That's really cool. Uh, what I think is, is awesome is uh, how these first-year teachers really are concerned with um, – like you said, humanizing mathematics. It makes me feel like some of the things that uh, th they're hanging on to some of those things that they're learning in their, in their preparation. Um, it, it, sometimes it feels like, Oh, here's one more thing, Joel, that we need to put in the methods class. Um, you know, make sure we humanize mathematics. It's a shame that we even have to say that. Um, but uh, I'm excited to hear about this project. And um, so how long is it going for? What uh, what are the sorts of activities that you've got planned with this group of students? Or I'm sorry, this group of first year <laughs> teachers. <laughs> Do you want to take that one, Don? Sure. So this project will go for the the rest of the school year. We will be with them until May, and we are evolving organically. So. Mm -hmm. You know, we're not quite sure where exactly we will be in May. We have some guesses, but, you know, we'll be celebrating successes along the way. And I think just learning. Um, I know like this week, we're really for our, our our Michigan cohort, we're really going to be exploring um, how, how we are supporting um, multilingual learners in the classroom. Mm -hmm. So just going deeper um, with that and we'll see where the conversation takes us. And That's what great. we need to, to do next. <laughs> yeah, our cohort of Washington teachers has really wanted to, they're, uh, I think they're using all different curricula. And so they're really wanting to see some of the structures that the other curriculas have and do some protocols with it. So we re, we also have been having a structure where there's some MTLT articles that they could choose from if they want like a brief new learning to bring in. We've watched some Todos Live videos as options in uh, the previous year. So we're kind of trying to think about how there's space for choice and new learning, but also really having our two-hour monthly meeting be around, um, you know, developing that community space. Um, the other thing we're thinking about, too, is long-term how these teachers can become our future cooperating teachers and mm -hmm. really beautiful models of what mathematics instruction can be. Um, I'm sure we're not alone in saying sometimes it's a challenge finding model classrooms. Um, and so, thinking long-term, perhaps we're looking at another grant for next year to maybe have a year one, year two model and ways to um, keep keep the first-year teachers becoming early career teachers in touch. Yeah, I love that long-term, that long-term kind of vision for it. That's that's great. Um, anything, any other questions that you all had for Katie and Dawn on the grant? Otherwise, I'm going to ask them any advice they'd have to, for those that might want to apply. We'll ask that. Here we go. And then in case there's questions, we'll, we can ask it later. So um, again, you're the first awardees of this grant and again, offering uh, and, and again, 
was kind of cool is the way you're talking about the organic development. Like you didn't have to have all the answers. Uh, that's, I guess, one thing that you, you didn't have to say, like every day, here's the agenda for mm -hmm. every single meeting we will have. So, right. So there's some, some space and resources in order to do some good stuff uh, with regards to thinking about uh, your practice and, and, and what you want, what you want to investigate. Right. And then even to a, a problem you're trying to solve, this, which, which is awesome as well. So any advice you'd have for those wanting to apply? Um, I would say that thinking about your project and that $10,000, um, it's really easy to fill with, but it's super manageable. The um, application is, uh, like you said, you didn't have to have a super detailed everything worked out, but we did provide kind of, here's what the monthly plan could look like. Here are different structures. We could take a one hour looks like this, one hour looks like this. Or we could, so we were able to kind of creatively imagine the ways it could go. Um, but yeah, go for it. It was really manageable, much more so than many. And I didn't realize we were the first. So <laughs> that's exciting for us. Yeah. Don, anything you know, to add? Yeah, just really do it and don't let the imposter um, syndrome um, get in your head um, because this is really a manageable grant to, to think about. You have your connections to literature, you have a plan, um, and then you really just get to get onto the exciting parts of it. Um, like for us, we're listening and, we're, and being in community with first-year teachers, and I think that's, it's really important and really meaningful. So it, it was just a short amount of time um, and work um, to get to this point of this yeah. project. And it's exciting to have something specifically for early career. You know, sometimes it feels lofty to be applying for grants as you're just starting. So this one was really manageable. Yeah. What's cool too, is that there's actually another set of grants that could apply to this project as well. The classroom research grant where a uh, university person is working with a, um, a someone from K-12 uh, together, which you're, you're doing here as well. But, um, and that's a little smaller grant there's, but I'll just encourage this as a shout out for those MET grants. I, I got one as an early career, um, person here at the university of Mississippi. And uh, again, it was great to have the the space and resources and the, and almost like the encouragement too, like, Hey, it's good stuff. Go, go do it. So, uh, November 1st and May 1st are the the deadline for this one. It's November 1st, but there's also another round of MET grants that are available May 1st as well. Uh, we'll put a link in the show notes to those opportunities. Just there's, I mean, there's even grants out there for, uh, for, for, I think pre-service teachers to go to NCTM mm -hmm. uh, meetings. Mm -hmm. And uh, if just, I don't know, there's, there's all there, it, the list is long of the opportunities that are there. So always encouraging folks to either, apply for things themselves or to make teachers known about these opportunities uh, as well. Um, hey, anything else uh, to promote? Anything else out there that you'd like to share? So we will be at AMTE in February and we are, are going to be sharing some of the work from this project. So if you are a person that is thinking deeply about induction and wondering how to support teachers, we would love to collaborate with you and learn from you as well. And then we also have um, an MTE manuscript that's nearly ready. Um, that's going to be in the centering in the teacher voice. Um, Beautiful. Following the teacher voice uh, 
special issue, but continuing the teacher voice um, thread. So that will highlight some of our work from the pilot program. So we'd love to connect with anyone doing some similar work. Don, Jen, anything else to add? Yep, that, that, that pretty much capture, captures it. But we're excited about where this is going and um, the next steps that this will lead us, lead us towards. Awesome. And then uh, Dusty, anything, anything to add? Jen, anything to add? I think the, the deadline for the NCTM grants, right? They have two cycles. One is for November and I think yep. another one is in May. So just yeah. depending on when uh, listeners are listening to this particular episode, just know that there are two cycles and there's different grants yep. within those two cycles. Yep. Yeah. And, and uh, I'll say, um, like you said, Don, just go ahead and apply. Don't, don't let that imposter syndrome get you. I, I let it, I let defeatist talk thoughts, um, just, you know, take my whole early career away from me until I wasn't eligible anymore to apply for stuff like that. So I would, uh, just echo that advice, um, because they don't have stuff for like middle to denying late career. Uh, <laughs> maybe they do. I don't know. Um, but I, I, I just really appreciate how this whole conversation, uh, you know, where we started with what advice do you have? And you were talking about building relationships and coming alongside people and listening and building community, how that is exactly what uh, I, I can see why the people who gave you all the money they did were like, oh, yeah, that's that's what they're going to do, um, because it seems like that's that's exactly what uh, you set out to be. And that's who you are. And so I'm really excited to hear uh, about this at AMTE. And um, look forward to hearing more from you guys uh, as as this grows, continues to to cycle, and, and you build more capacity in those uh, early career teachers. Um, yeah. So again, we'll we'll post links to everything. But again, if they're if you're listening to this and it's already passed the November first deadline, this opportunity is going to continue for years to come. So it'll be there. And uh, again, uh, just like uh, Katie sent an email reaching out for a collaborator, you know, some, uh, an email to somebody else and looking for good people to work with. And that's, that's all, that's awesome. The, the way that things happen that way, the way that those connections are made, it's, it's, it's pretty fun that we get to capture that here in this episode. So thank you to both of you for uh, joining us and sharing your, uh, uh, expertise and uh, and your experiences. And thanks again for all you out there for listening to the Teaching Math Teaching Podcast. If you like what you hear, please subscribe to the podcast. We hope that you're able to take action on something you just heard and interact with other math teacher educators. Also, you know that AMT has another podcast, the Mathematics Teacher Educator Podcast. The MTE podcast accompanies the latest edition of the Math Mathematics Teacher Educator Journal and has authors discuss the work they have submitted to the for publication to the journal. Find a link to the MTE podcast in the show notes for this episode.